0: Hello, I'm Stephanie Luo. Welcome to my podcast, Surface Time Confessions of a Diving Junkie, where I chinwag with people who are like me, scuba diver and chronic addicts to being underwater. During the Surface Time today, I spoke with Sam Xu Qing from our Singapore Reefs and David Jones from Jackson Square Aviations about their collaboration in diving against debris in 2022. In a way, it started off with Davis shower idea about doing something that can help to protect coastal underwater environment by engaging local community in Singapore and leveraging available resources from his company. Little did he know, at the time, they are already some unsung heroes, like our Singapore reefs and the submersibles doing the dirty work of cleaning up the sea. Sam and her co-founding partners are marine biologists specializing in coral restorations in Singapore reefs, so they have the first-hand experiences of watching how the health of the reef deteriorated because of waste. Waste that cannot be managed because they were created and thrown away into the water mostly by inconsiderate people. I participated the coastal cleanup with them. After we cleaned ourselves up nicely, we sat down and had a look at the data collected by Sam and her team. This is like the end of the year performance review. Hi, Sam. Hi. David. Hey. Thanks for joining me
1: today. Thanks for the invitation. So, Norm, I pick up with the question where was your last memorable dive? I'm going to skip that and we go straight to the heart of the memorable dive that we did at the exotic Lassamboos Island last week. Just to give a little background, it was to do with a coastal cleanup and an event that's sponsored by Jackson Square Aviation, which is David's company. or you work for that company. And led by our Singapore Reefs which is co-founded by you, Sam, and your partners. Yeah. So how did it all start?
2: Okay, quite a long story. I'll try to keep it short. So during pandemic, we were locked down in Singapore. I've always done a lot of diving. Every holiday, or go I try and plan it around diving and obviously couldn't do that. So I was cycling non-stop around Singapore. It took six hours, by the way, to cycle around <laughs> Singapore. I was going up my mind. And then one night, I was doing some research online. Oh, not so much research. It's probably... probably browsing and come across, there was a turtle in Hantu, it was caught in a drift net, it was dead, pretty bad shit, it was pulled out of the water by some guys on kayaks. So I started looking a bit more and I found out there were dugong in Singapore, which kind of blew my mind. And the more I was doing this Googling, the more I was understanding that I'd been completely ignorant to what here in Singapore. But a lot of the stuff that I was coming out was dugong that were be pulled out of the ocean dead turtles that will pull out of the ocean dead all to do with getting caught in drift nets consuming plastics so having a shower i don't know why i always have these great ideas in the shower there's a couple of other ideas i've had in the shower as well i thought of doing something in singapore that was geared towards environmental cleanups so i got in touch with a dive company in singapore when my first dive in singapore that was in pulau hantu then i just started continuing to dive, and at the same time, Jackson Square Aviation started developing its ESG policy. So a question came out to the business explaining why we were doing the ESG. It wasn't a program that we wanted to just tick a box. We wanted to have a real impact on communities getting communities involved in what we were doing. So my shower idea got elevated. I got that out there and it developed from there. I got in touch with the first person was a gentleman called Yinkai in Submersibles. We started talking about what kind of thing that we could potentially do and the costs involved. He brought up our Singapore reefs. I went away, did some research on our Singapore reefs, found what you guys are doing absolutely phenomenal. So I got one of Sam's partners down. To have a talk in the uh, yacht club in St. Alden and everything just fall from there. So had two very great partners involved in our Singapore reefs and the submersibles who helped drive a lot of this. And to be honest, it's Jackson Square where we've contributed money. We've contributed our time. And some of the folks who work with me have come and joined in and we've organized beach cleanups and everything else in parallel. But really the people who organized this was our Singapore reefs and the submersible. So. That's how everything kicked off.
1: Yeah, I thought it was really nice. I think we have been looking out for opportunities to work with partners, with organizations who really want to do this thing together. So I think it's really nice when Taichung, he texted and we have a potential sponsor that can help us. And i was like, oh, great. And I think it's, it's really nice because a lot of companies, when they want to do this kind of cleanup, it's one time. And that's it. We never hear of them. It's really nice that you guys come in and you want to do a series of cleanup. So that is the kind of commitment mm. that we see, and you even bring in yourself, your friends, your staff to really come and help us. So that that is very beneficial to us, and especially to support us. It is both cost, but it's so expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So that is really very helpful. So we also managed to engage like different people, like new faces to come in and join a cleanup. Because I think even for youth especially, they want to be involved in this scene, but they just don't know how to start. I
2: think though, you touched on one of the points. As a company, we don't want to turn up, disappear, or turn up, feel great about cleaning, cleaning some trash out here or should I then disappear. The whole purpose of kind of driving this was to generate something that he could continue And I wanted to get a good mix of gender, number one. Number two, I didn't want it to be all expatriates from the aviation community because this is Singapore's environment, right? You're going to get expatriates will leave and we don't want that experience leaving with them. So we wanted to get a good mix of local people, of expatriates, because I think a lot of the monies might come from aviation. Some of the guys who've been diving with us already have said they're going to look at forward sponsorships. So it was all about creating something that is sustainable Mm. moving forward i think we made a real impact doing what we've done it's good this is always going to continue there's always going to be rubbish in the ocean right so the whole kind of purpose past just cleaning stuff up was trying to make people away of what's there and for people to think about what they're doing when they dispose of rubbish that's the only way this is really going to stop is by creating more, more awareness which is well you guys have been doing such okay. a great job through your social media outreach. I need to get a little bit more developed
1: in my Okay. Anybody listen to it happen to be a digital marketing consultant, please volunteer okay. mm-hmm. your time. <laughs> but junk aside, and I, I-, I only go back to the remark you made. They will always be trash. That underwater. I think it's the unmanaged waste, and there are a lot more on the water because most people don't go underwater water to pick up the trash. I yep. want to circle so, back to you, Sam. The other day when I went to National Gallery in Singapore, I saw a question in one of the uh, exhibition. It says that uh, when we say throw away things, what does away mean? How would you answer that as a marine biologist? Because that's the background, and uh, you started on Singapore reefs. Because of certain things trigger you. So the thing is, because okay, I work on coral restoration, so my job involved me diving around Singapore's water and also in the region. So I think how we, want, we started our Singapore is because every month we go out there to check the corals to see whether they are doing good, are they growing, and what kind of marine animals actually use the space, right? So sometimes you see good things, like corals are growing. Well, I can mm. trace back every individual coral that I actually planted. Because eventually, we want to know the winners and losers of this whole project, right? And then sometimes you see bad things like plastic bags, fishing line, entangling on the corals, the and then they die. And even some big items like booboo traps, mm. right? And then it just destroyed a whole patch of reef that I survey every year. So the whole patch is typically gone from my data. And then. I think the last show was that washing machine that you see. Remember? So that actually pushes Gajuan and I to start our Singapore. Oh, I think this, we need more help, right? As scientists, we can't just keep doing this. So we really want to get the help from the community to lend our hands to really remove the threat with us and really give these corals and marine animals some kind of new lease of life for them to really survive again. And then also contribute data in a sense that we can actually trace back, oh, we are the hotspot, then we can focus more on? That. This one. So throwing away things, it is really things that shouldn't belong in that place, like the ocean. It's quite sad to see as well. Yeah. So it's not natural. And you don't want that to impact the growth of corals. If you
2: look at the trash that we picked up over the course of this year, when you say away, the real disposable things stand out in volume. Plastic bottles one, of, not one of They were the biggest. So for me, away is... Real disposables, the examination, the washing machine, there was a drawing that we found, chairs. I don't think those were really away. I don't think someone consciously threw a washing machine in that part of the ocean. It's just ended up there. Those are the things that really stand out. Yeah. Plastic bottles don't stand out until you look at the volume, and that is really what is being thrown away. It's the single use plastics that all of us use. Mm-hmm. All of us. Every single day and just by using a water bottle, a non-disposable water bottle, I think contributes hugely in places like Singapore, where it's hot. We mm-hmm. consume a lot of water every day, So buying plastic bottles, which is completely needless.
1: We were just looking at your data as get the background straight. So in 2022, you've had 12 events for the coastal cleanup, in- involving divers, and out of 12, seven of them were sponsored by JA's Graduation. So we're only just looking at the data that's out of the seven event. One of the questions I asked you to ascertain for us was the top three categories of the arrays that have been picked up and plastic is number one. Yeah, and then you can see all the trash have been picked up, about 80% of them are plastic. We will buying metal, like 13, 13.7%. And this plastic, the top trash is actually from um, beverage bottles, plastic bottles down so less than two meters near the fishing lines along with plastic caps and beads.
2: So eighty percent of what we've collected over these over the diverse debris events is essentially not biodegradable. It would have been on that reef for a very long time.
1: They are single use plastic. Correct. Right. And then you specifically highlighted that they are mostly one five meter. And I think earlier you also mentioned you don't really see the smaller bottle. Yeah, we don't see the smaller bottle. 500 meters, it's all 1.5.
2: Until you said it earlier, I hadn't actually realized that was the case. Worth investigating,
1: but not today. today <laughs> We're going to be able to work out the answer. Yeah. yeah. So out of the seven events, I'm going to revert back to the top three categories. So you have plastic, metal, and then cloth. And I saw so the metal one. What are the metals? Mostly fishing hooks, sinkers and lils. That fishing line is top two, so it comes together with that, usually. Yeah. And then you have cloth. Yeah, cloth will be cloth fragments and cloth underwear and pants.
2: But I guess with the metal, right? You mentioned the booboo traps yes. making a big negative impact on reefs. Yeah. How many of those have we found? Five, five six, six right? is it?
1: Yeah, five six. And those are Interesting because the thing is, if, if it was intact and it's still there, it will still continue to trap a lot more. And it's, and it's heavy, it's about one reason.
2: Yeah.
1: But a lot of them, if you're sure that they're abandoned, so we usually will just bring them up. Sometimes we see some of them, but they are usually like disintegrated.
2: Yeah. We found one that was like five and a half feet.
1: That's yeah. big. It's
2: big, big. It's big. So, what impact is that on having a reef and trapping fish? Does it? Roll yeah. around the coral. And...
1: It does actually. I think we the wave itself, because it's both. So when you land on the coral, sometimes you'll roll around and you can just break some of this coral down and leave fragile. And then, you know, coral, they take a long time to. Yeah. So yeah. it's definitely a issue. But let's let carry on with the data that we've got. So in the total weight of debris collected is 1,092 kg. That's a combination of beach cleanup and yeah. the, the ocean cleanup. Yeah. yeah. And out of that 450 kg is from the ocean clean out ocean. That's going to grow. <laughs>
2: it's going to, I'll tell you what, on one of the sites, we found the bed frames, yeah. mattresses, etc., which we've marked out for the government to clean up. So i really like to see that way in May. That's going to come to tons. So that's going to grow exponentially, I would say, with the cleanup that the government will do for us as well. So
1: it's really nice that we showed out to the government and they really are happy to support us in this especially within this thing all this bulky trash because the sort of thing that we are working with, recreation times, and safety is really very important. So that's why we import that a lot. And then with all this big frames, heavy thing, we should be getting a commercial party to come in to help us with that. Yeah. And even a bunch to really support us in this heavy trash. And the largest piece of debris that's been picked up, it got quite a few rather exotic things we
2: it depends what we mean by largest really the booboo trap was big five like, and a half. Yeah, that was feet. A huge.
1: Situation. The
2: mattress that we found last week mm-hmm. was
1: really. That was big. Yeah, there's even a, a net that used to catch crabs. I think in mangroves is three point five meters long, so long and very half buried under the sediments. And then the guys would like to try to pull up and they yank out the whole thing. So that was quite interesting. Yeah, it's so long.
2: The sugar sacks we found. Yeah. they would have been the heaviest I would say if with the content, but we needed to. There's hundreds there, so we have to remove the sugar first. They involve cutting the hessian sacks, mm-hmm. plastic hessian sacks, emptying the sugar out, and then trying to pack all of the bags in each other to bring the bags in. So just the weight of those bags was over 100 kilograms, of mm-hmm. all 90 sugar bags, and they're still quite a lot there. They're
1: still there.
2: Still a lot there, so those are, they're really challenging to move. Anything is really challenging to move, even a plastic ball.
1: Yeah, especially
2: in a <laughs> Yeah, because so, so much sediment. Correct. So as soon as the sediment is disturbed, you're blind.
1: I think that's quite important to talk a bit more about how the recreational diver can get more involved and what they need to pay attention to because it's not for fend-hearted. That's <laughs> not about diabetes so you're poor. I Diabene mean, visibility is so super great. Next we are putting that and then, yeah, and you can see your friends, you can see your buddy, you can even see our hands.
2: So you have to be just really calm, Yeah, carry on what you're doing, trying to be careful.
1: I remember when I was picking up a fishing line, I realized that line got caught wrapped like, right around the a coral and then because I was moving, despite the fact that I was in very good buoyancy, by the time when I Managed to reach my captain. that yeah. I can't see in front of me. No. <laughs> I lost my fishing lot In other countries like Bali, you can dive by 15 meters. You can see all the way to the bottom. Yeah. But because of extensive coastal development, all this machine going down into a lot of dredging, the constant dredging is worse. We our course here, yeah? so they're in a constant state of sedimentation. So on good days, we had five meters, right? four or half okay five four or usual days when you're like okay five fingers that's a visibility. yeah so we have to be confident in guiding stuff forward yeah all the stuff that you picked up anything that's particularly hazardous that you can remove yeah we have this kind of like it's really the hand of the sign, mechanical they can be in metal containers and you have that sticker there like hazardous oh my god and then I think this sticker where it's poison, and then you have the trees and animals that are dying. I think that this one on the head of the hazardous
2: signs. Bubble traps are quite hazardous as well. Yeah. And the chill legs that we found because they, they're disintegrating, so then they get very sharp.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When
2: you're using lifting bags to, to yeah. carry a lot of this stuff. So it's, it's the way that we were doing that a lot is one would be on the surface and one would be below, guiding the trash, and someone with the bag on the surface. Just making sure that no one's getting hit. Some mm-hmm. of that stuff is really sharp. Fishing hooks.
1: Yeah, that that one's very scary.
2: They it. Are, so we always kept gloves.
1: Things
2: like that when we Especially
1: the fish. Yeah. So it's so sharp, all the connections. Yeah. So then, even when you bring it on, land, you need to have gloves to be properly it. Yeah. So I think safety is very important. Yeah. Okay, we have given a pretty bleak picture of I mean, the kind of debris situations. We took it above water, but there's still plenty left behind because you still can't clean mm. it. Not at the recreational divers level, it has to be commercial divers support from them. Again, going back to the seven events. The total number of divers involved, head count, I'm sure we got repeating customers like yeah. Davis being on the second number. But anyway, just counted by the head count. There have been 194 divers, plus crews and everyone else and the people on the deck. To help the non-divers, so the total is two
0: hundred
2: thirty-eight. Yeah, that actually made me really happy. So I found out that just before I did this with Sam, that's yeah. what made me really happy. They made me really happy because, mm-hmm. as I said at the beginning, we want to raise awareness. Yeah, and so it's not just that two hundred plus people that we are reaching here; it's all of their friends and family that they talk talking to about mm-hmm. it. And of that two hundred twenty, let's say seventy percent from Singapore, then. That's going to make me even more happier because that knowledge, that experience is going to stay here and people are going to continue to want to do this. And hopefully when they're people we'll stop with a single-use plastic consumption, at least at a level that they currently are doing, and try and reduce it to some of this. I'd also like to see a lot more people diving in Singapore.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: That might change the environment. If, if people are diving more here, then maybe the dredging won't be as, as much as it is. The diving community will have more of an impact on that. Yeah. So there's lots of different things that we can look at here. I was super surprised when I started diving in Singapore at the level of diversity here. Mm-hmm. Even with the sediment, it's incredible. There's an anemone field, KUSU? Yes. Biggest anemone yeah. field I've ever seen <laughs> anywhere yeah. in the world. I would never have expected something like that in Singapore.
1: Now when, maybe I got distracted by the <laughs> sea fans, but they were not like baby sea fans. Not. Big size sea and it was incredible actually. So I think it's really one of our intentions as well. Not only we want to bring people to see like the actual trash and can find ocean, but also we want to get people to come rediscover. this because mm-hmm. there's a lot of misconceptions, ah, so there's no line. But it's really like treasure yeah. hunting. really It's incredible. You, go, you see a mile of life. Like the last one, I might excite a lot because you see all the coral there. are so big, it's so nice. Yeah. And it's really nice community. Yeah. So it's actually very different dining from Pulau to or John because all these places are placed by artificial shrapnel, let's see, mm-hmm. different these, Yeah. Um, this is what we yeah. want Singaporeans and even people come to Singapore to explore, like, what we really had. I also saw some Luda branch as well. And it, it became a point of reference for me. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> because I was looking, swimming around. I turned out I could go in which direction. Yeah. So that was handy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's well, one thing I mean, diving in Singapore really does for divers yeah. is improve navigation. Skills.
1: I know. So when you <laughs> learn diving in Singapore, you can dive anywhere. I
2: learned to dive in Singapore.
1: <laughs> you notice in that but also your buoyancy. Yeah. So David, you started with the idea now. Looking at your end of the year report. Yeah. How does that make you feel? And how would you like communicate that back in your office? Say this is the impact yes. we have created. It's a
2: good question. So. I'll correct you first, it wasn't my idea because these guys have been doing it before and the submissibles have been doing it before. So it was, for me, it was just trying to restart something and doing something more consistently than it was being done before. So kudos to these guys all and over again. But for me, in presenting this in the company, everyone has just loved it. They've absolutely loved it. From kind of day one, everyone gone excited about it from top down in the organization. We've been posting things on our intranet, it's like a chat thing. I'd be posting things on my LinkedIn page and just keeping everyone up there. The beach cleanups that have been running parallel were organized by one of my colleagues, Audrey, who's one of our lawyers in Singapore. So we'd be reporting this kind of as we've been going along, but there's so much I haven't been reporting and part of that is poor time management on my side. And the second thing is I've got a scientist sitting next to me was giving me all of this data. And I think, well, this looks really cool. As we get towards the end of it, there's lots of things that I'm going to keep adding in to the story. So there was a young lady, Josephine, who joined us on the boat whose father is involved in aviation, who's been nominated, accepted as children's ocean ambassador. And part of what we were doing is contributed to her doing that. Mm-hmm. That was amazing for Isn't me. She's
1: so good. Yeah, yeah,
2: it really made me feel so happy about what we are doing. I haven't presented that internally yet because I want to do it in a certain way. All of this data, getting over 200 people involved in this is incredible. Yeah. So I want to pull this data together in a way that is really impactful. I think it was CFO we started doing dive lessons in San Francisco. Yeah,
0: <laughs> because
2: it is really impacting what we're doing as a business. In terms of, I guess it's on a kind of on a lower level, emotional kind of level, on a higher level from a business perspective, it's fed into our ESG piece, which we've just started to do over the course of this year. So our ESG report has been issued internally, and this was a big part of what we should be doing going forward so this was used as a case study of what we want to be doing engaging community mm-hmm. being one of the biggest yeah. ones and if you look at full of our photographs that we take just before we go out with the jackson square banner and all our simple research on the submersibles there's 20 or 30 people in every photograph and again just on the day when everything is so busy yeah you know, i got lost in it all looking back over the photographs and looking back the day that sam has brought back today is amazing, so I'm just so happy I had that show idea, and all of this has come to this. So, what's next? Or is the sponsorship some of the folks that have come on to the boat who have said mm-hmm. that they want to sponsor the young lady Josephine, who I mentioned earlier, the Children's Oceans ambassador? She's raised over two thousand US dollars to sponsor a dive event. So, I want to just keep this kind of going, yeah. to, and I'm trying to use what little social media I have to be to me. <laughs> to keep promoting that. But it, it, how it makes me feel? Super happy. Yeah. So happy that I started this. Year.
1: I remember once he said to me, he asked me, do you remember the biggest paycheck, I, the actual number of paycheck I received? I said, not really. And he said, but do you remember a time when you did something that you feel so happy? I said, yes. And I can count many different kind of things I did. And they said, what did you do that makes you happy? And I am say most of time it's because I've done something that creates impact yeah. and then bring the community together, mm-hmm. bring people together, raising awareness. And I think on top of that, we're doing it in such a way that we're having fun. Yeah. Because I think they're doing diving, combining with an uh, ocean club. Super social. We're doing something we love. And I think from the company, within the company, like, in terms of internal relationship, bonding perspective. That actually, I
0: think it's fair to assume the relationship have improved That people are more open to share ideas.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that we had a company offsite in San Francisco two or three weeks ago. One of the first questions everyone asked me that I hadn't seen for a while was, how is diving going? Yeah, it's just awesome that people are engaging with it. Yeah. And hopefully, using this as a case study, we're going to see things in Europe and in, yeah. in the in the Americas where people are doing similar things, there has even been a discussion about how transferable mm. this idea is to somewhere in South America or somewhere in Europe. Yeah, I wouldn't want to go diving in Dublin. Simple, <laughs> <laughs> Sp- with board shorts and a rash but The idea of this being transferable to other places has been discussed as well. So. Yes, it's been a really interesting project, I think. Having this event where we've put, as an organization, a fair bit of capital into it shows other people in the company what the company is willing to do. It's not a box-ticking exercise. We really want to make a difference to what we're doing with these programs.
1: you being in aviation. I have been in aviation years ago in my previous life. It is a large community and it's a very tight community yeah. since that. What was that? Three degrees of separation? Oh, in aviation, it's like 0.5 degrees of separation. 0.5? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So okay. I'm sure David and I, we sit down and put out our contact list find a lot of
2: yeah, absolutely. mutual
1: friends. Right. You can also make that influence. Actually, I yeah. think we got introduced to you, not because of you, it's because of another lawyer.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So there's been a couple of law firms that have supported us over the years that got involved. So Morgan Lee, Watson Farley, Airbus got involved. So the local of the Avi- Aviation Authority of Singapore, there's some people that got involved. There's some people from Scoots, Airlines got involved. So we were really trying to
1: Expand that. Yeah.
2: So aviation is a big contributor to a lot of the environmental challenges. So I wanted to get a lot more people involved because as an aviation community, every company now is starting to do more. Yeah. So my business is in aircraft leasing. And if you look at all aircraft leasing companies, they're now starting to come out with ESG Mm -hmm. guidelines, ESG policies. So putting something out there like this, I think, Encourages, maybe inspires some other people to go out and do these things. ABUS, for example, huge aircraft manufacturer, one of only two of the biggest on the planet. Mm-hmm. One of the ladies who came there is through the ABUS life club is trying to start something. So what we'll be doing as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it will start catching on. But it's, I think the onus is on me to keep pushing for <laughs> old people as well and say, what are you doing about that?
1: Yeah. The other thing with aviation is amongst the aviation community, is already a very sociable crowd. Yes, it is, yeah. And then a the couple that was diving, and I'd really love to see for this to grow bigger. It should happen, but we need somebody yeah. to get committed, to get signed up. So now, back to you, Sam, because then um, you started this back in 2017, yeah? You've been doing it the last five years. Is this fair to say that this year? it's been quite intense because you got Jackson Square Aviation, a serious sponsor. Mm-hmm. But looking at the data as well, so the same question I have for David, that when you look at this, what have you say to yourself? Yeah, I think this year, it's really nice that, you know, we really have a bomb and we need a lot more dive trips, I would say. And it's more frequent mm-hmm. because I think, like I said earlier, I think with the boat cost of Singapore, it's so expensive. So we're just depending on different partners to actually support us to go out on trip. So I think for Jackson girls come in, there's really a huge boost. And then to engage this number of people is really impressive. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of new faces every time. when good. go think it's like, hey, I haven't met you before. It's like my first dive peanut. And yeah, I thought that was really exciting. Oh, we managed to bring someone new into this community. And then bring all these dive guys, And then also some of these founders that are more frequent empower them as well yeah. and they're like where's this one can I be a guy yeah sure and these are the people that we need so we can actually bump that up to a more leadership role and, and they can continue to do it on their own outside or even with their own friends so I think that's pretty cool and the things that we picked up I think because of COVID it was really soon during that time and then after that we get to see a lot more things that Actually in the ocean and things are actually more COVID-related like masks and ART and We saw that a lot. And also on beach cleanup, right? So it's quite interesting to see the shift of things or not and the things is in the ocean. And I think there's more opportunities for us to get. Looking at the data, because what we just talked about literally is event specific. Yeah, I understand you also have a different database where you're actually recording different types of degrees in different parts of Singapore. Because yeah. that's yeah. not the only trash site. It is not, it's yeah. not, definitely. So I think even with Jackson Square, we covered three different cleanup sites. sites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think for us, we have done about seven. Mm-hmm. The city's is island, Bandara Bay, and also in San Marino, Right. one degree. <laughs> yeah, so we did clean up there as well. What do you want this? So why we started documenting is because there's this portal called party project away. And then it's a dive again green that. So when you see Singapore data, that is like nothing. So back in 2017, it was so little. So with us coming in, we tried to populate what's in the area and what island, what kind of traffic we have. So we can really identify the different hotspots and really focus our efforts there. So these are of the interesting things that we find is whether the islands, whether there is heavy human traffic and compared to those that are not so heavy, like maybe in Kosovo. The trash look uh, a bit different. Yeah. yeah, so even you dive down the jetty, you see all kinds of things like the I, wow, this is quite bad. I saw a whole set of barbecue items like mesh tea, and barbecue tongs, mesh, and even unfinished Bar-me-tong-y. pack of yeah, yeah. hot dog. You haven't been there, right? What day we should go? It's very interesting. And champagne. So these people are having good fun, but they forget or they just throw things in the water. Because sometimes when the trash is there for a long time, because it's fouled out, right? But this fresh, like champagne bottles, beer bottles that new, yeah. something you get very angry that we there.
2: I don't understand for me, the mentality of someone who would just throw all of that. What goes someone's head when they do that? Mm-hmm. I guess if they've got a couple of bottles of champagne, nothing.
1: Yeah, and I think all this data give me uh, a voice. I'll say all the help from all the communities, from you guys as sponsors, from our partners, so that I can bring this data to engage in different positions with other people. For example, ministries, different community groups, new group to see how we can tackle this or even bring this because the days, there's a lot of efforts on land. Well, policies can do, we clean to have a lot of data, but we don't have that much underwater. We don't know what's under our water. Yeah.
2: And I think for a lot of people, it's out of sight, out of mind. There's so many beach cleanups that were going on through. The pandemic, which was amazing to see, coastal natives were doing a lot of, but you don't see what's below.
1: Yeah, I think for marine debris, a lot of people think that it's just plastic, but it's more than that. It
2: really is. Yeah, it's
1: all the big bulky things that we're trying to tackle. I think for the majority of people, they don't normally go underwater. So mentally, there's a disconnection Mm -hmm. with what could be happening underwater now. And so for us, with Dinah, we go down there. We've been to places where we really just enjoy the biodiversity, the beauty of the oceans, and all the creatures. And sometimes you can actually interact with them. But then when you start to see fishing line,
0: yeah. ghost net,
1: plastic bag, and you see they turn to swimming around this plastic bag, thinking that was a uh, jellyfish and then you see fish swimming inside a plastic bag. You feel so vulnerable in there for them and for yourself, thinking, what are we doing? So what next for our Singapore reefs? Because your work will continue. I think for us, to reach out to more partners also to engage more in especially. So I think even with the trash that we find and we consolidated, it's going to be on an art exhibition. So really see how we can use this data and the think that we collected and then just incorporate it into some kinds of new ways to engage mm-hmm. other people, to really yeah. inspire them, or to really get them into the community of the just, mm-hmm. love the sea, and to be see what we have so they can actually help us to protect it. Mm-hmm. And even like citizen science as well, so mm-hmm. divers can be eyes for scientists. Mm-hmm. so if you see Coral the J, you can help to report how do you do that. Is there any signs of uh, marine debris or uh, ghost nets in this water? What's the chain of communication. How can you get to us, and then we can work together, the ministries or different parties, to remove the net safely. That's how thing. Going back to the exhibition, what information can you share? Okay, so a lot of trash that we picked up, like even from this series of cleanup, and they really at their workshop, getting cleaner, and then it's an exhibition, kids. see
2: so you were talking about kind of yeah. engaging the community yeah. here and trying to get more, or young people yeah. diving. Yeah. There was a comment that was relayed really back to me kind of a while ago now, which said someone said that what we are doing is elitist because not everyone has access yeah. to yeah. become a diver. Now, I'm right. from a mining village in St. Mm-hmm. Wales, which is really nowhere near elitist. What would your answer mm. to that be?
1: Oh, that's interesting.
2: Like, how do you get younger people in Singapore involved mm-hmm. in diving?
1: So the thing is, one, we also need the support of corporate and industries and partners who come in to really offset some of this. Build diving is expensive.
2: It is, yeah. So
1: even rental the like, gears. It's expensive. So yeah, some of these university students, they have dive club, mm-hmm. but they might not be supported in that. And it's also very expensive to learn diving. Right. In a sense. So it's just, and then they want to be involved. So we just want to really bring them to a place that's safe for them to do this diving. A lot of us, we have been talking to, let's say the teachers in charge, or even get a school club, dive club leaders to join us. And then after that, see what they can take back to their school. with something. But we also go to our schools to talk a bit more about memory conservation, what yeah. they can do, and even just providing opportunities to do that. I think that yeah. is very valuable for them. I'm going to ask you a question, which I always ask my... Yes. First question I normally ask is uh, in your dry bag, what are the top three items you carry with you when you go scuba diving? But I'm going to spin that for you. Okay. So what are the key items, naming three, if you like, that you would carry with you when you go and do the ocean, coastal the clean up as a diver.
2: Cut gloves, good cutters, torch, for to sure.
1: My own bottle of
2: water. Uh, okay. So we can
1: get the plastic bottles from the boat. Yeah, I'm saying. <laughs> so I think for divers like us, sometimes when we go for trips out to the island, we have food that we take away. It's nice to rethink about like how we can pack our own food from the restaurant. Rather than they give her in styrofoam boxes. and that actually helps us out and be conscious about all the bottles. to so basically, minimize the single use yeah. container plastic mm. stuff like that. And think a lot of die shops out there actually trying to, to do that, I mean. Sure. Pack your lunch and maybe use all containers. They serve their drinks in glass bottles. Mm. So that is actually quite nice. Okay. Top three tips on safe diving practice. Safe diving. Your personal practice, but it can be related to the cleanup. Okay, with that being, make sure that you communicate with your body. And then for cleanup, always have to grow. Make what you can. Yeah, because eventually safety is still important. And then try not to touch other marine animals. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can pit stabbed by sea urchin. Particularly kneecap, it really hurts.
1: Oh my god. A sea urchin fell off the overhang and onto my friend's head. Did you stick? Oh! Oh, my God. Yeah. And then he was scratching his head for days. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Nice. So be, be aware of your surroundings.
2: So This navigation skill, number one. Practice. Buoyancy. Which is super important. Number two. Number three. It's not really bringing something with you, but it's preparation. So understanding where... It goes back to navigation, but understanding where the boat is, when you're the water, especially with low visibility. Understanding where the reef is and where you are in between those two points. I think it's probably those
1: three. Very relevant for Singapore. Mm-hmm. Okay, the next question non-diving related, and it's also up to you how you want to trim it. What is your greatest fear?
2: See if you answer that first. I did really tend to think mm-hmm. so. i think
1: going
2: to spiders or something. The cockroach. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's the worst. So when you see them, you just go hysterical. Yeah, well.
2: Yeah, cockroaches are horrible. It isn't the one insect that... I cannot Really? You it. too? I can't buy it. When my daughter sees it, I try to be brave. Yeah. I don't it's get that huge canister of cockroach spray.
1: Okay. Yeah. Oh my god. So for me, for my remunerator, I remember once, it was a uh, mess called Leechi. So in 2016. So when I dived in Singapore, one of our die all the colors were white. There's no life. There's no feet. So I think it's really scary and I always reminded myself that, wow, I must try my best to not really see this scene again. So it's going to be quite scary if you dive in the waters, and all these ghosts are like white. It's really swimming through a ghost town and I really don't want it.
2: You're going to ask me to say something, alright?
1: We're still waiting for you to come up with some...
2: Maybe a fear of not doing anything.
1: Okay, well, what does that mean?
2: Yeah, I just like to be active. I'm constantly doing something. So that I'm not afraid of not doing something, but I've got something in me which just keeps wanting to be doing something. And If I couldn't do something, I guess I'm not being scared. Does that make sense?
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm not
2: verbalizing that very well.
1: Okay, let's reframe the, uh, the question a bit. So I do see interesting response from different people to this question. I so see a very common Behavior, conflict pattern, yeah. when people actually couldn't think of one single thing that they feel that would be the greatest fear. Yeah. And it's very similar to you because then um, I think it's more of the reflection you're very practical. So, yes, you would think ahead. There's no way you have no worries or anxiety. You do have them, but they're mature enough to be able to manage that. Does that mean true? Yeah, yeah, you? I think
2: there's. There's on. So where I've come from is, as I said, it's like a small mining village in South Wales where there's not a lot things to do. You grow up doing one or two things. And with everywhere I've traveled and everything I've done, I've just, when I reflect on some of the things I've done, even just where I've been diving, if I couldn't do that again in my lifetime, like, that's pretty scary, yeah.
1: Yeah. So being able to stay... And life and...
2: Yeah. And keep having different experiences. Living life. Yes.
1: Yeah. That's nice. Okay, the next one. I hope this is easier. Yeah. What's your greatest extravagance?
2: Sam, you've had time to recoup from the last question.
1: I think probably doing the work that we do, like building community. I think that's really nice. Getting people who are like-minded together to do things together for the ocean. And then eventually inspiring them to do better as well. I'm as curious as well. why in your mind you consider that as the extravagance? Because it's be something that I thought I wouldn't be able to do yeah. And then to reach a point that I can see the probably growing and everything. Isn't it very poetic? Yeah, not then it's very nervous. He does <laughs> yeah. not love that one. <laughs>
2: Actually, in, my motorbike is my biggest extravagance. It's time for sure yeah uh, personal time yeah which is why i love diving so much when i'm diving it's all about me most of the time taking care of me or taking care of my body and that's having personal time that i don't get very often so i say is my biggest instrument Mm -hmm. other than my own
0: bike (laughs) okay time is not renewable i
2: had to think about which one was i could get a new bike
1: it's just kind of renewable
0: yeah the bike is renewable, The time is not. Yeah,
1: I love the way you say personal time mm. is your biggest extravagance. That was interesting. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, the next one, what do you value most in friends? Friends?
0: Not the TV sitcom.
2: That's an easy one for me. Trust. So immediate things that come to my mind is kind of trust and honesty. But there's also a lot of other things that come with being friend to someone is being there when you need them. That's a big one. Which comes it all comes under the same thing, which is caring about someone. So that's what I would see as important in a friend. And I've gone. My friends have been my friends since I've been four or five years old in school. I can remember meeting some difference. I know I could pick up a phone for them and if I have an issue, I and mean, exactly the same for them no matter where we are in the world and they'll drop something and help me out. That's nice. I think
1: that's wife. Last question. So if you were there and how is- of the podcast and on yeah. of the one we interview, what one question that you will have for me to answer? What's your hope for the ocean? What's the hope for the ocean?
2: Such a good question. Yeah. I wish I'd asked that.
1: <laughs> I think people have to believe the fact that the ocean has this ability to heal itself. But we human keep sabotaging the healing process by neglecting things and by not managing our waste. Monthly. So waste is one of the major reasons that's slowing or stopping the ocean from healing itself. I haven't seen any hard data, but I've heard Mm. from very certain people. Because of COVID, they locked down the travel restriction in Mm. the last three years. And lots of dive sites didn't have that many divers. And so now people start going back. And they're capturing amazing footages of, let's say, Cipadam is an example. And I've seen friends taking videos and he was even saying that, what you see is only a third of what I see in the water. The school of Jack, I finish the school of Barracudas. And that's phenomenal. That just shows that with such a short space of time, the underwater environment was taking the moment to heal themselves. So I think there's hope. There's also hope that people at Birdwater on land making efforts like what you guys have been doing, sharing your experiences, your stories, and the impact that has been created. And yes, I know people keep talking about climate emergency, net zero, that the time is running out, but there's still time for us to do something to reverse the emergency and we have to have hope to allow things to heal this degenerative ability is there and we have to do things to support that
2: of course yeah
1: so i'm going to meet the artist later so just yes, can come if you want to where is it say man.
2: where is it, it?
0: gilman's alessandra
2: oh gilman yeah. gilman
0: Oh, I like that. You have been listening to Surface Time Confessions of a Diving Junkie. My guests today were Sam Chin and David Jones. There are so many takeaways from this chat. First, although diving in Singapore water is like diving in miso soup, the biodiversity is truly incredible, yet it is so vulnerable. In order to improve the ecosystem, it requires a lot of resources, especially manpower, financial support and time. The collaborations between our Singaporeese, the Submersibles and Jackson Square Aviation has started to set the changes on course. It is important to continue the momentum in order to maintain the sustainability. The most obvious and powerful force would be the corporate, especially multinational ones, who have the resources to help drive the change So when setting the ESG policies and guidelines, by the way, ESG stands for environmental, social and governance. The focus and emphasis should be on what we can do to create a positive and sustainable impact, whether it is on the environment, the community, or even the way we conduct our business. A holistic approach should be taken in order to define your stance as a company other than making a donation, make your most valuable asset available. That is your employees. Naturally, as an employee, if you two like David tend to sprout ideas, whether during the shower or having a haircut, it would be good to explore these ideas before writing off as fleeting thoughts. You'll never know what the outcome will look like until you take the first step and follow through so if you are to initiate or participate in a new activity whether it is environmental social or governance related what would you like to do to ensure that you are part of the force for good surface time is negatively produced by Tech production and music by dress studio